0: Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. The Podcast.
1: And if you can't guess by now, of course, all of that chatter surrounds number four. The Sean Watson for the Houston Texans. and He could be the number one priority for a bunch of NFL teams this offseason. Certainly at the top of that list would be the Houston Texans, though they got a lot of fence mending to do it certainly seems to be the case it's Keyshawn Jay Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance all guests on the Goodyear hotline will talk to Mina Kimes NFL chatter on the way in 10 minutes but why wait 10 minutes we'll keep the NFL chatter going right now fellas on the way It seems like the Texans are going to need an entire culture, reboot, energy, all that stuff that Deshaun talked about a couple days ago. So a couple weeks ago, J.J. Watt, the face of your franchise on defense, the three-time defensive player of the year, he was angry. Deshaun's angry. Your best two players, each side of the ball, are angry. But if you don't have a quarterback in this league, you can't do anything. So the onus now on the Texans is to satisfy Deshaun. The question is key. If they can't, who's ready Willing and able to say, you can come play for me.
2: If well, look here. Here's what I would say. First of all, you need to sit down, figure out the direction they go with the coaching staff. Right? You don't trust their judgment based on some things that they've done in the past. You have an owner who inherited the team and who's running it. Father passed away in the late Bob McNair, and now you have family members running the team. You have football. You have non-football people doing football things. Um you 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 want to get out of there if you're Deshaun. You want to get to an opportunity that makes sense. Right. Because clearly that doesn't make sense for you. And if there's suitors that are out there, you got the New York Jets, you got Jacksonville, you got San Francisco, you got the Denver Broncos, you got the Chicago Bears. Uh those those are the type of teams that you can look to to say that there's some pieces in place with bad quarterback play. Jacksonville obviously starts over with the new head coach, potentially Urban Myers. We reported earlier meeting with the Jaguars. They mm-hmm. have the number one overall pick. They have a ton of money to spend in free agency. So they have some capital. The Jets got number of picks with money to spend. They need some pieces in place. It'll be a great market for Deshaun Watson in terms of off-the-field opportunities as he continues to win in the tri-state area. We all know that. I've played here. You and Jay are from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, they'd like to hold on to him if they could until something else becomes available that's better, like a Deshaun Watson. What is it going to cost teams to get Deshaun Watson? What picks, you know, what, what are we? what players, what swaps? The Jets are probably in the best position – with the most draft capital to surrender to get him at the number two spot or give up the number two pick and whatever they got from Seattle and maybe something later on down the line. Um, but what are they going to hire as a coach? Like, what are you What are you hiring? Let me see what it is. You know, the Jets are a good spot. San Francisco's a good spot. New Orleans, they probably can't. They probably would – Doesn't have the capital. Drew Brees is probably going to retire, take a television job. The Saints would love to get him, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat, right? The Miami Dolphins, they're sitting right there. Yes, I understand you drafted Tua, but in this world of the NFL, the way things have gone with Kyler Murray and and, and Josh Rosen, they traded out of that after drafting him. You look up, Tua may have another home if Miami all of a sudden becomes a player. So he's going to have a lot of options if we get down to that.
0: I think there's a ton of suitors, but what I will say, if I'm Jack Easterby, if I am Nick Casario, I, I, I'm not letting this happen. I, I'm not letting it happen to Key. He's a generational quarterback, a generational quarterback, and I go back and I try to amend mistakes that I made before. Okay, you know, hey, Jack Easterby, yes, I did sign off with Bill O'Brien to let go of DeAndre Hopkins. It was the wrong move, Deshaun, like – now, tell me, who do you want? Who do I need to go after how in the market to bring money? How many wrong moves somebody? you going to make, though, Jay? I, 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 but what are you supposed to do? you Are just going to let
2: him go? No, you're, but you're I'm saying, You're trying to hold no. him for ransom?
0: Like, I'm still trying to hold on to him.
2: I get it. You're supposed to try, but how many... Okay, you signed off on Bill Bryan to let Deshaun Watson go, right? Okay, yep. check. You didn't really communicate with me on the general manager. I gave you a list of names that I thought, oh, well, let's... you didn't even... You didn't even bother. You already had your mind made up. So yep. you play games with me there. Check that box. Like, but how here, me far am thing. I going to let you keep pulling the wool over my eyes? What leverage do you have
0: as Deshaun Watson? Oh, I don't want to play for you. That's my leverage. Okay, so you're you're not going to come out and play? I, I'll stay you're at
2: home, gonna, man. I, I, I'll, I'll just... I'll be a sour grape, apple, whatever you want to call it. I don't I, I don't, don't want to play I, for you.
0: I don't see Deshaun Watson being that type of person that he'll just sit out and not play. And I don't know what the CBA well, I mean, is. I guess, you know the CBA I, better I, than I do. Like, I What are the repercussions you, of that happening?
2: I guess if you think me telling you that I don't want to play for you. Now, typically in sports, when a player tells you that they don't want to be there, you move them. You figure so, out how to move them. So and he's you get under- it done because you can't bring in a guy that's unhappy and try to make him happy. You can't it, it, you you cannot do that.
0: I'm not though, but this goes back to people doing their jobs and being professionals. It's the same thing I heard you say about James Harden, right? So if, if he doesn't show up then you're under contract every single day I can find you if you want to get into that whole Well basketball back and forth.
2: basketball is different than football. It's sixteen games. It's eighty, seventy two games now in mm-hmm. basketball. So I could afford to have you on the court for an extended period of time before I can move you before the trade deadline. At quarterback, a team needs you day one. They don't need you before the trade die. Trade deadline at quarterback. There's a, so you see the difference? At quarterback. I
0: know, I, I just I, I wonder if David Mogata and his, his agent and Deshaun Watson would be that extreme to say, we're not going to play. We're it's, not it's, going it's to not, play. I'm not going to do that. It's not I, about, I just don't see it getting that extreme.
2: It's not about not going to play. It's about me coming to you and saying, I don't want to play here. And then them coming to okay. you and saying, we're going to fix everything. And you being adamant about wanting to move on. And you have but, to explain to them why you want to move on. And once you explain to them why you want to move on, now it's up to them to go out there and get it. Now, they could be stubborn and sit there yeah, and go. Yeah, I'm
0: not going to go out and get it just because you want to move on. Like, I'm going to try to amend it and make it right and surround you with some pieces and help us start winning before I just say, hey, I'm going to try to make something happen. It's going to be a long fight.
2: It ain't. It, a quarterback, man, it, if he if he goes to them and tell them that he doesn't want to be there for whatever reason and they try to hold on to him, that's not good. It's not good. You can't have that position at quarterback feeling a certain way when he walks in the building. It's not, this is not a running back or receiver or an offensive lineman. You know, you know what I'm saying? This is not that. This is a quarterback. And, and as I've always told you, from a mental psyche standpoint, you cannot mess with the quarterback. You can't do it. And this is one of the reasons that he's not happy with them right now. And once people – now that this is kind of out there in the universe, I'm sure teams are going to be calling or – Sending certain messages, hey, man, what, what's up with Deshaun? Do you guys want to move him? That conversation is going to start happening, I know, whether you he, want ex- it or not.
0: Excuse my ignorance. What, have there been other examples of quarterbacks that have been under contract that have just gotten themselves out of these types of situations? Quarterbacks under contracts that have been moved. I'm that have sh- told them, I'm moving. I'm, you're, I'm leaving. Like, I-, I need you to move me. Like
2: I- I- I'm sure that there is quarterbacks. I know there's been other players. There's been guys. That have Like, for instance, Jalen Ramsey, another David Moguetta client with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He told him, y'all not paying me, I want to get out of here. Eventually, which is different.
0: Well, y'all not paying me, though. It's different,
2: though, yeah. No, no, but he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there with Tom Coughlin. He didn't want to be there with Doug Marone. They eventually figured out how to move him and get two first-round picks from the Rams. So it's a different position, but you cannot afford to go into a season with Deshaun Watson unhappy and try to force him to play, and then when it doesn't work out, try to move him in the middle of the year because that's you're not going to get the value for Deshaun Watson in the middle of the year, the same value you would get for him before the start of the season and before the draft. It's a totally, it's a totally different situation. So the ball really is in Deshaun's court if he decided to go to them and tell them that he doesn't want to be there.
0: Do you think the value for Deshaun Watson
2: would drop that
0: much? It, it, from from it, yeah. the beginning of the year to middle of the year, I don't know. Yeah, if the because that much
2: key. because because I need you there at the beginning of the season. I need you at the start of the season so we can make a run. Me but giving I mean, you, you, you eight you, games it, into the year doesn't it? it the learning curve—it's a waste of year. Now we got to I learn the curve. Now you got to so learn have, the offense all over again.
0: You have injuries and things of that sort that teams could be in desperate need. I mean, but that's it, different it though. With, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. Like you don't have to rush it. No, you, you can do. It's, there,
2: it's different than hoops, Jay. It's you got. Think about it. It's the quarterback. It's not a receiver. It's this is not picking up Antonio Brown off of, off the streets and plugging in plugging him in for five games. That this is not. This is the quarterback who you need the entire year, the offseason, training camp. So you got to get him before the start of the year. You got to get him before
1: the draft. You can't play around with this. This is serious for the Houston Texans. Last thing here. Obviously, we are already talking about moving Deshaun Watson. But let's just say the Texans can salvage this situation. Just role play here. We're going to have our ESPN NFL analyst, Mina Kimes, here in just one minute. Role play here. Deshaun Watson walks in. You're the executive vice president, Jack Easterby. You are the next head coach of the Houston Texans, whoever that happens to be. You're Nick Casario. You're the general manager. Deshaun walks in. You've set a meeting. What's your spiel to Watson if you're the Texans? Well,
2: if I'm the new head coach, I'm blaming, I'm blaming the Jack <laughs> Esther <laughs> es- I'm blaming him to start with. Say, hey, you know what? I agree with you. They should have communicated with you. I have nothing to do with this. We're on the same page. I want you as my quarterback because I know how dynamic you are and you can take us to the promised land. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with you. Right. I'm the guy in charge of you. Don't worry about them. And that's how I'm going to sell it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them under the bus. You ain't even got to worry about that. They going. I'm rolling over, Jay. I'm, I'm, I'm lowering the bus. <laughs> you just hydraulic. running people over, real oh, quick. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> going to crush them. I'm gonna crush them. I'm gonna make them the total bad guys, so I can get a relationship with you, Zubin. It's all Jay Will's fault. It's all his fault. Don't listen to him. Don't worry about him. I handle that. You and I, we on the same page. I want you to be special. I can. I, I believe you can help us win the Super Bowl. Don't worry about Jason Williams. Let him and Mike Shiesczewski and Duke, let them handle Jeez. that over there. I got this. That's the way I'm going to deal with it.
0: Zubin, I don't know if I if I would advise a new head coach to throw his new executive VP. That's how VP you get it, though. Under the bus. But, are, I, but I, me I,
2: and the executive I, VP, we're on the same page.
0: Uh, you're playing good cop bad cop. Yes. Okay. I, as long as you've had that conversation with your of executive course. VP beforehand, Come on,
2: man. I know, and, and,
0: but I, I think I, I think you would need to have a coming to Christ conversation with everybody. I think everybody would have to be on the same page about owning past mistakes and then moving forward.
2: Man, That's I'm right. the bus. I'm getting one of them. What, what color are the buses out here in New York? Blue, blue, and white. Yeah, I'm getting one of them blue ones. <laughs> All day long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I need to take those since I don't have a car, as you know. All right, let's bring in Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Mina is uh, Key's teammate on NFL Live. She's, of course, also the host of the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Um, Mina, I got to ask you here, why don't you just jump into this discussion? Key is willing to get in the driver's seat, turn on the ignition, go in reverse and reverse over three or four times. Does his plan here for the Texans make any sense for you?
3: Well, it's got to start earlier than having the head coach sort of align himself with Watson. Watson needs to be involved at this point in picking the head coach to begin with. And, you know, what surfaced, right, his complaint, it's not that he wanted to be involved in being the head coach or the GM. It's simply that he wanted to be heard and involved in discussions, which is something um, we're hearing that he was promised when he, you know, actually, actually before he signed, his mega deal, but, but after and in the process of him aligning himself long term with this team and they screwed it up in the same way that they screwed up just about everything they've done over the last few years aside from signing Deshaun Watson. So to me the, the Hail Mary for Houston, they haven't hired a head coach yet, right? They've already hired a GM who Watson each again, he, he hasn't he has no problem with Nick Casario. He's a problem with the fact that he's being ignored. So if you want to save this and as an owner that you're literally you have one job right now and that's to save this relationship. Let Deshaun Watson apologize to him, then bring him back in and have him involved in picking the head coach.
2: Yeah, that that is all true, meaning you know this, but but I can't trust you, right? I you 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 kinda didn't bring me up to speed on my top receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and you kinda oh, yeah. sorta met with me back in November, October, November, and then you didn't talk to me at all in January about hiring a general manager. Now I'm supposed to pick the head coach. Because, so if I pick the head coach and I say or, – or recommend the head coach and I say to you I want Eric b enemy now what?
3: Well, I, it's not a good situation, frankly. I mean, coaches come and go. Owners come and – or pardon me, GMs come and go, but owners – tend to be forever. There's a reason they haven't been able to get Dan Snyder out of the paint right for years. And, like, if you're an executive, a player, this is not an attractive destination now. Now, I know for players, it, it generally doesn't matter. The the dollar matters more than anything. But, listen, odds are Deshaun Watson is going to be a Houston Texan next year. He's not going to sit out of season. Like, his ultimate leverage here is – sitting out, he's not going to do that, you know, not getting paid. Most likely, and I think kind of alluded to this earlier, that he'll make things difficult, not show up, um, you know, express his discontent in other ways, and that sucks. But it's in the best interest of both parties to get this worked out as much as he correctly dislikes how this organization has been run over the last few years.
2: Come on, play play, play along with me, Mina, on this one, though. Uh, Let's assume he goes there and he tells him, you know what, I, I, I want out, and, and the Jets want it takes. the Jets want in. What can the Jets do to acquire Deshaun Watson to become a New York Jet if that's their desire?
3: Man, it's got to be that number two pick, and then at least three first rounders. I keep seeing people throwing out like the most absurd notions, like, "Oh yeah, the Dolphins can trade him for." Tua and the third or whatever. I'm convinced people didn't watch Deshaun Watson play football this year because his team sucks so much. Right? This happens all the time. He is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. He is the sort of quarterback as a team, as a fan, you wait an entire decade for. And he is on contract until he's 25. I mean, or he's For, gosh, a few more years right now, but he's only 25. Like, it would take... So much to get him that I think it's beyond people's understanding at the moment. Now, I think the Jaguars, that's an interesting conversation because then you're looking at, from the Texans' point of view, you're looking at Trevor Lawrence and maybe some extra picks, and and that suddenly gets interesting. Um, But after, outside of that number one pick, I think it takes a lot.
0: Mina, we got the wild card weekend coming up. Which quarterback do you think actually has the most pressure on them this weekend?
3: Well, you know, you're going to hear Lamar Jackson a lot because of his two playoff losses. And I would say also because he's playing a a really bad team. I don't think people understand how bad the Titans defense is. They're like historically bad, okay, for a playoff team. Mm. Zero pass rush, terrible in coverage. Um, and, And obviously the Ravens are coming off of a hot streak, but there's a narrative around Lamar that he can't, when in the playoffs or when he's down, which actually is interesting. When Lamar is trailing, um, most of his statistics are about average. It's just been a couple of high, you know, big moments where he and his entire team have kind of fallen apart. But I would also throw in Josh Allen because he also, he's only got one less playoff loss than Lamar. And he, I think has greater expectations based on not only his team, which is phenomenal, but also the level of play he's put on this season, which has been better. So I did. I think between the two of them, there's a lot of pressure. And then, of course, the, the old guys, right, because this is kind of the one last hurrah for Breeze and Rivers. You play, that plays into it as well.
2: How much, how much pressure is on Tom Brady, given the fact that he left an organization that he was at for 20 years, nine Super Bowl appearances, six wins, yeah. to go to a team that – you know, everyone said when he got there with Gronkowski based on Jameis Winston's performance that they were probably going to wind up being in the NFC Championship game and fighting for a Super Bowl title.
3: I think people have kind of recalibrated their feelings about the Bucks, who won the offseason on paper, right? It looked like the super team, but they've had ups and downs over the course of the season. And as a result, they're no, they're not seen as the one of the hotter teams in the thank NFL. You, I think they're thank you. But I will I will say, um Brady has an additional amount of pressure because he's not getting any younger, right? And I think this is a sneaky, difficult matchup for him. I mean the Washington offense ain't gonna get anything done. But as much as Brady's been rolling over the last month, he's played terrible defenses. He's been un He's been pressured on like 10% of his dropbacks, which is so far below the rest of the NFL. And here comes this Washington defense that can get pressure with four. Um, And and we talk a lot about Chase Young, but that entire defensive line is a nightmare. And we know how Brady struggles with interior pressure. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is an ugly game.
1: Mina, last thing for you, the last of six are going to be the Steelers and the Browns. Um, The guys have all said all week long the loss of Kevin Stefanski is going to be huge in this particular game, with Alex Van Pelt calling the plays in a game in the NFL for the first time since 2009. What are your thoughts about trying to win this game without their head coach?
3: Well, I'll say first, I don't think they should have to. I don't understand why Kevin Stefanski, I've I've said this, can't coach remotely. The only explanation I hear is, well, because that was the rule, which is I, I always hate that, but I especially hate that now in 2021, where rules are changing on the fly for everyone in every sport constantly. And Daryl Bevel had to do with the Lions. One, he shouldn't have. They should have let Daryl Bevel do it too. But also that was a meaningless football game, okay? The, I think it, if it was a safety thing, that'd be one thing. But he can do it safely and remotely, and they can put eyes on him. So I don't get it at all. Um, but it's a huge loss. And I think it's kind of lost in this, the loss of left, left guard Joel Betonio, is equally massive. Uh, You know, the Browns biggest advantage or biggest strength in this game is their offensive line. Everything they do flows from their blocking schemes. And he's one of the best players on that line. They don't have a ton of depth either. So, you know, no, it would be a bad situation in any circumstance, but let me tell you, it's not something you want when you're facing cam freaking Hayward, who's one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I like your point on Bevel there when he missed that game as the interim head coach against the Bucs, and you knew the NFL wasn't going to do much there, so it seems unlikely they would switch on the fly. Yeah. Although, like you said, that's a part of life in 2021. You can watch Mina on ESPN Plus this weekend as we Yay. continue to blow out coverage of the wild card game between the Ravens and the Titans. It's be- a good one. Absolutely. Between the lines with Laura Rutledge, Doug Kazarian, Joe Fortenbaugh, Tyler Fulgham, Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, and Mina. And then you can see Mina Monday night breaking down the national championship as well. It's a football-loving weekend for everybody that loves this game. Mina, enjoy the weekend. We'll look for you on TV and on the streaming service. Have a great morning, guys. All right. Thanks, Same Mina. to you. That is Mina Kimes joining us this morning on the Good Year. Hotline. What do you think, Key? I think she makes a lot of good the remote coaching thing. I I I know the league is so staunch and they're old school, they'll never do it, but I like that point. They it because
2: you gotta move things around. What, what we're, think about it. Some people are at home, Jay Will's at home, some people over here. I mean, it's all sorts of stuff that's moving around, right? Let him coach his team and even if even if he wasn't doing it from home, allow him to go in an isolated box and coach the team from up top. You're
0: exactly right, Key. I
2: mean like Series, you can do it if you want to do it. You can do it
1: if you want to do it. On the way, as we await the return of the WNBA, the league is suddenly back in the center of it all. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. Glenn Rivers, now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. It's something many, many people have brought up here over the last 24, 48, 72 hours. But right before the insurrection at the Capitol, there was two Senate runoff elections that the uh, country had their eyes on. In one of them, the Reverend Raphael Warnock defeated the incumbent appointed Senator Kelly Leffler in Georgia. Kelly Leffler, for about 10 years, has been a partial owner of the Atlanta Dream of the WNBA. She's now the majority owner, but she's been around the team for now 10 or 11 years. And as you may have heard, her own players and much of the WNBA is diametrically opposed to everything that Leffler stands for. So it was a very interesting situation to see everything develop earlier this week and then how it works in the team dynamic. For more on that, let's welcome in Renee Montgomery. She's actually a guard for the Atlanta Dream. She joins us this morning. She's actually rejoining us this morning. This is the second time she's been on with us. Good morning to you. So I guess the first thing I got to ask you is being a member of the team and understanding everything that's going on, on the floor and off the floor, what's the reaction of you and your teammates to Ms. Leffler losing this election?
5: Well, I'm just going to speak for myself, and the reaction is it's not even just her losing it's Raphael Warnock won and I want to make sure that the messaging stays clear because there's some things that happened on January 6th it's all trying to take away from the fact that a black man is going to Senate a Jewish man from Georgia is going to Senate and we won the presidential race so I would say for me it's a sweep it's a 3-0 and sweep so the, the, the feeling is happy
0: Renee speaking of January 6th what are your thoughts on everything that occurred that day
5: Yeah, you know, it's kind of like we all felt something was going to happen. I was worried after November 3rd, honestly, like when when the numbers started to tide and we could see that Joe Biden really might win this thing. You know, we all started to get a little nervous, even here in Georgia, the aquarium shut down, Coca-Cola, they all boarded up their, their buildings because we were all expecting some type of reaction and not a good one. So then to see what happened on January 6th and see the lack of policing that was there, it was, it was disappointing. And, and let's call a spade a spade. It was terrorism. Domestic terrorism is the term that we should use for that.
1: Renee Montgomery. I was also ask you, Rene, like, Go ahead, Jay. Sorry.
0: Thanks. Man. I was going to say, what does it say about the platform that the WNBA has like you guys, like even a month before Colin Kaepernick took a knee in 2016 the WNBA had a, a pregame press conference about police brutality. You guys wore Black Lives Matters T-shirts before it was even a thing. Uh, you guys have always been the leader at the forefront. What does it say about the platform that you guys have and the work that you guys have been doing?
5: You know, I hope people start to recognize because a lot of brands, a lot of sponsors, they don't see the value in, in women, I would say. Because, you know, I, I think I saw a tweet from LaChina Robinson that said 1% of sponsorship is for women athletics. How? how especially now knowing the impact that a, a women's league not just a, a player but a whole league can have i don't understand why there's no interest but i do hope that just seeing how things transpired and how everyone can see what's going on i hope that there is some value added to women now
1: renee montgomery of the atlanta dream is joining us this morning on Keyshawn j will and zubin we're presented by progressive insurance and renee is with us on the Goodyear. Hotline, LaChina Robinson, by the way, ESPN Women's College Basketball analyst. Come on with Yeah, shout out. I want to ask you this because people may not know. I want to go back to Leffler because I think this is just so fascinating with how clear she's been and how clear you guys have been. Um, She used to be, for people that aren't aware, that maybe don't follow the dream on an everyday basis, she used to be a constant present at games, she would be at practices, she would be a team function. she would always be sitting in the front row. She was a very active owner. Obviously, things have changed once she went to the Senate, got other responsibilities. I just wonder what your relationship is with her, the team's relationship with her.
5: You know, even before the Senator race, I would just see her before the games. We've been to her house for a team function, but... I mean, any of the players know you're not usually best friends with the owner in general. You know, you typically would talk more to your GM even when it comes to contracts and stuff. So we did see her there and we would wait. And she was, you know, I know that she relieved herself from, you know, day-to-day duties as she became the senator. But she was present in the WNBA. And I know probably the letter was her trying to distance herself, seeing as how she's Republican and the WNBA is, you know, highly majority LGBT and A black and brown community. So I can understand why she's trying to distance herself, but it wasn't the case beforehand.
2: Renee, what kind of personal discussions, if any at all, have you had with Loughner about social uh, justice?
5: None. I mean, you know, this was a typical owner player relationship. So, you know, I never talked to my Minnesota owner about social justice. And I know that this time is, is different, but by the time that all of these things try, uh, started to unfold, you know it was already she was already too far gone by then.
2: <laughs> how, how do you feel though now that everything has transpired and she's still co-owner of the team?
5: You know, for me, and this is going to be <laughs> unpopular to say, but for me, I'm sure she's not the only owner that probably feels the way she feels, and so I hope that the WNBA and I hope that. You know, even her. You know, I, I've I've already posed the question. I don't know why you would want to own a WNBA team if you have to write a letter to the commissioner opposing everything that that team is standing for. You know, our team is the Atlanta Dream, and I don't know if people know, but that's from Martin Luther King's "The Dream" speech. That's how we got our name. So, if you oppose everything that we fundamentally stand for, I don't see how you can build a relationship there. I don't know why you would want to be there.
0: Renee, what are your thoughts on LeBron James tweeting out, why don't Why don't we put together or why don't I put together a group that could, to buy the Dream or buy a WNBA franchise?
5: You know, I love what LeBron does because he makes topics at the forefront. You know, everyone knows that the team, you guys are asking me questions about our team ownership, knowing that that's our team owner, but you don't see a lot of people jumping to buy it and different things, so I do understand that there's some things in the work, not with LeBron necessarily buying it, but I I like the fact that he's putting things out there. You know, he's putting us out there, putting attention on the WNBA, because as i talked about before, the WNBA is a growing league of powerful, educated women. And I I never understood why sponsors aren't jumping at the opportunity to uh, sponsor players and sponsor the league. I mean, I think that that's on the way, but I'm glad that there's people like LeBron that's putting things on the forefront.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great point. The league just celebrated its quarter-year anniversary, uh 25 years. The TV ratings on ESPN, ESPN2 have been as high as they've ever been when we've televised the WNBA and the one thing exactly, would, right? And the one thing I would tell you for the dream on the way out the door, you clearly of course know this being right there for some of our listeners that may not you talked about the MLK, I have a dream speech. Well, you know, Dr. Warnock or Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Warnock who defeated Kelly Leffler. Uh, He was there for many, many years at the Ebenezer Baptist Church where Dr. King once preached. So the idea that it comes full circle for Dr. King and obviously (laughs) for Warnock and your team being called the Atlanta Dream. You're right. It is crazy, but maybe there's some serendipity in there as well. Uh, It was great to reconnect with you as well. Best of luck moving forward and thanks for your honesty as always this morning. No problem. Thanks, guys, for having me.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Great to have her perspective. And, Jay, I just want to kind of follow up because we were talking about this earlier this morning. Um, You know, listen, everybody hangs on every word LeBron says. And what I think is pretty magnanimous about LeBron is because we obviously know when he tweets, when he says anything, we pay attention. Um, Just him simply mentioning The WNBA, right? I mean, he talks about NBA stuff all the time. He's, you know, interviewed all the time. But when he takes time out to personally tweet or do something about the WNBA, I think it's just a single tweet and we're inundated inundated with tweets in America. But I don't think people realize how one tweet from that NBA superstar can do to help the WNBA. One tweet.
0: I mean, look, a WNBA franchise is probably a quarter of the salary annually that LeBron James has, right? Somewhere around there. So... You start looking at it, you saw guys like Carmelo Anthony respond to that, say, hey, I'll chip in. Bradley Beal decided to respond to that as well. You have a lot of people that it would be so amazing if you had NBA players support their sisters. Because, to be frank with you, man, the NBA gets a lot of the recognition for a lot of this stuff. But like I said before, the WNBA has been at the forefront of all this. And they have been leading the charge Leading the charge, Zubin. So I, I know when it comes to like the crazy stories that you read about, it's about what happened in Milwaukee. Uh, but the fact that WMA players have been doing stuff like this for the longest of time, they need to get – They need to get their recognition for the stuff that they've done in their community.
1: I couldn't agree more. And the last thing I would say is sometimes, unfortunately, it's a corporate catch-22. She said 1% of endorsements go to female athletes. Well, that actually strangely makes it easier for those athletes to speak out because they're not worried about losing endorsements. They're not worried about being in step with corporate America. It's a sad reality that they're not getting the money that they deserve. But in some cases, when you're not bound by those big corporate companies that frown on any sort of controversial statements, you can make the... statements a lot more freely. That's just my interpretation of it. On the way to go, before we let you go, college football's reckoning is coming, and it's something they wanted but never expected. Maybe the most important thing of all, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, Greeny. Jay's rocking out. Coming up on Greeny, 10 a.m. Eastern time, when we're done here in about 13 minutes, Brett Favre will join Mike this morning, and Al Michaels will join Mike, this morning. That's all on Greeny, 10 a.m. Eastern, on ESPN Radio, ESPN+. One quick thing, college football season will end Monday night, we hope, if the national championship game goes off. All indications are it will in Miami Gardens, Florida, between Ohio State and Alabama. Back in August, the NCAA did something that got universal praise, but that was the public side. The private side, it's making some coaches nervous. In August, the NCAA essentially said, If you're a fall sport athlete, so let's put football in here, men's and women's soccer, there's some cross country, those sorts of things. But for our purposes of discussion, if you're a fall athlete, you can have an extra year of eligibility. In other words, if you don't want to go out into the working world, you're not going to the NFL, you don't want to go into this economy right now as a kid, you can spend one extra year and have everything paid. For and play college football, be a college kid for one more year. Problem is, though, that they're still welcoming in a ton of freshmen. So if you have a bunch of seniors and you're telling these freshmen that you've recruited, guess what? You're going to get a ton of reps at running back. You're going to get a ton of reps on the D-line. You're going to be our starting left guard day one. Uh-oh. If any one of those positions is possibly played by a senior And in this environment, I don't think any coach is going to tell a senior they cannot come back, considering the world that we're living in right now. It sets up an interesting rub. Still, full recruiting classes coming in with perhaps 20 or more seniors on teams not wanting to leave. Coaches are going to manage it individually, but Key, you've been there, done that as a top-level scholarship athlete. It's something they had to do, got a lot of universal praise, and I don't have any inside info on this, but if I'm a coach and my lifeblood is recruiting and most kids don't redshirt anymore, they want to play right away, it's well-intended, very well-intended, but there could be some interesting consequences to pay. Yeah, but
2: but you can navigate around that, right? Because typically in football, if you have 14 seniors that are leaving, you you got 14 incoming freshmen or junior college transfers to take up those scholarships. You don't have 14 players at that position. And if there's a senior at that position, you can navigate around that incoming freshman who probably you promised that would play. Right. If you take Alabama, for instance, Najee Harris is leaving. They're going to replace Najee Harris's scholarship with a freshman. Whoever backs up Najee Harris as a sophomore junior, he was going to be in the mix anyway. And that freshman was going to kind of chime in, get a few little minutes here and there. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. And if you're a fifth year senior coming back for your sixth year to try to increase your chances of getting to the NFL, you're probably not that good any damn way. Yeah, you right? be in the NFL I mean, already. You would Super be in the NFL anyway. And Jay, will you've been through this situation on scholarship, although highly paid basketball player on scholarship? Whoa, whoa, whoa! At, Come on, you know man. what are we doing? What are we doing? Here? <laughs> Jeez, what do you mean? Geez? <laughs> Jeez, all you got to do is deny it. But I don't know. I, I don't know how it would go in basketball though. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, basketball is a winter sport, but, you know, I, I was going to ask you, though, Key, like, isn't that simple, Subin? Like, why wouldn't you just extend the amount of scholarships you can have for one season?
1: Yeah, for a one-off, they're probably going no, to have season. No, yeah. that's what they're doing. They are
2: ex- – we're just yeah. talking about playing time. They are extending the scholarships okay. for the players. But then there's a lot of guys that shouldn't probably be leaving to go to the NFL. There's seniors that should be coming back. I know – ton of them It's like dude you should probably stay in school but they've been there four years they've been there five years they like i'm not going to get any faster i'm not going to get any better i'd rather take my shot at making some money because i don't want to play for free
1: again right well Plus, I'll, I'll say,
0: yeah. i i would say this too real quick Zubin. if you're a star athlete you know chances are that guy on his way out isn't going to start in front of you anyway if you're that talented and the second caveat would be even if you are kind of mid-tier if you're going into expecting to play and there was a guy that was still somewhat decent that was going to stay that's kind of reality. Welcome to the real world. I mean,
2: that's, yeah, but then, go fight for your position. But little Johnny's parents, though, you know, he's been there four or five years. He He's looking for a shot, right? I mean, yeah. that little Johnny's parents is
1: like, hey, man, you told my boy he's going to play. Every situation is an individual case, but if little Johnny or a big Johnny probably had waited all those years to start, he probably deserves the opportunity. But on the other side of it, if you're a senior and you've gotten a lot of reps and you have a raw five-star coming in and it's close, the coaching staff has to play for the long term. So if you're a senior and you're sitting there thinking, man, this is close, I'm a little better right now, there's no way I'll be better in four years, but right now I am better, more reliable, I'm going to lose this job.
2: Long-term play plus... Recruiting the next class. Hey, I played Zubin. See, Zubin played as a true freshman. I'll play
1: you too, right? Because if you don't play as a true freshman, he tells his buddy at his high school, "Man, they lied all to that. me." Yeah, all that, But, but all dude, that.
0: Let's not act like sports isn't cutthroat. I mean, guys get lied to now.
2: Oh, of course, though. Jay, guys get lied we, to we,
0: all day long. You know what I mean? Like we, this is nothing we, new.
2: We know that, man. We just trying to. Put it out there so those people that don't understand that we trying to give it to them so that they could really feel what we talking about. Yeah,
1: and lastly, I would just say on that tip: remember, right now, when it comes to coach v player on social media, no matter what the evidence is, if it's coach v player, right now, everybody is buying the player because for so long they were held down, and now this is their first opportunity to really rise up.
2: It, it's it's interesting. It, it's fun to see, though. I just can't wait till next football season. Starts in September, so we can really see how this thing is going to
1: shake out. Mm-hmm. Indeed. This regular season, this one, has ended. The postseason will end Monday night on ESPN. Where will Harbaugh be? That's the good question. That's Ooh. the good question. Where will
2: Urban Meyer be? Jaguar How coach. things are going to go with Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, all of the little subplots. I know we're months away from it, but it's still interesting to
1: think. That's football, man. We can talk football regular season, off season, postseason, bowl season. We can never stop. Man talking is about. one
2: of your go tos. I noticed that too.
1: What's that? Or Indeed.
2: Oh, San, indeed man. as well. Indeed
1: too. <laughs> indeed. Finger Indeed, man. I love the Indeed, word, indeed. gets a lot of mentions. Great yes, sponsor. The sponsor, Indeed, I love it. <laughs> Enjoy the games this weekend. You know where I'll be. If you see me Grocery at the shopping. supermarket, <laughs> say hello with my two bags. I won't be able to wave. I've got the two bags in the two hands.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show
2: live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you
1: stream your audio.